Hey guys, thanks for hopping on to the uh, Let's Talk Tenkara podcast. This is episode one in the series, and today we're doing something a little bit different. Um, instead of how most of these are going to be formatted, where I'm interviewing someone or giving a rod review, uh, today we've got Justin Foss as our special guest. Justin knows very little about Tenkara fishing. Nothing. And that is why we have him here, actually, is we're going to do a different approach. We're going to start out with him interviewing me. I'm going to start out giving a little bit of background about myself and why I wanted to start this podcast. And then Justin's going to fire some questions at me. Uh, I've heard some of them. I'm not familiar with all of them. So this could be interesting. <laughs> all right. So uh, just to start out, like I said, my name is Brendan, uh, Brendan Harden. I've been fishing since I was about four years old. And one of the first questions I got asked when I told people I was going to do a podcast is, well, what experience or what qualifies you to do a podcast? And the answer is, I'm just a normal guy. But with that being said, I do run a Tenkara guiding service. I've been guiding for about, well, I've been guiding for a year. I've been Tenkara fishing for a little over four years, fly fishing for 15 years. And so I've taken all of that knowledge that I've gained over these years of fishing and I wanted to share it with other people. Uh, so in this podcast, my aim is to give information as far as like what to expect for newcomers, some advice for people that have been doing it a little bit longer, as well as we're going to do a separate series that will be 50 States of Tenkara, where we'll meet with someone from all 50 states as the plan and get some information based off of fishing in their state and what works and what doesn't work. Um, with that being said, we're going to go ahead and get into the meat, I guess, of this episode. Uh, Justin, go ahead. Alrighty. Well, thanks for having me here. It's a real honor and a privilege. Um, <clears throat> so the first question is, what is Tenkara? For those of us that have absolutely no knowledge of Tenkara or fishing. Perfect. Uh, tenkara is a form of traditional Japanese fly fishing. It's the best we can tell started around 400 years ago with bamboo rods. It's a fixed line form of fishing and it was it originates in the mountains of Japan and what it was is commercial fishermen were trying to find a way that they could quickly and efficiently catch fish because as a commercial fisherman that's what you do. Okay. And so from there, um, in the late 1900s, we switched over from bamboo to carbon fiber rods. And the tradition is just carried on as a telescoping rod, fixed line, and you're fly fishing. It's a very simple, well, I, guess, I say simple. It's as simple or as difficult as you make it, but it's a simplistic form of fishing. Okay, and is the carbon fiber more or less efficient than the bamboo? Is there a reason why they switched? Um, durability is a big part of it. I mean, bamboo as it ages becomes more fragile, obviously. Carbon fiber takes a lot longer to hit that fragile point with age, as well as weight was a big factor. Uh, the carbon fiber, you're able to get a rod that's a lot lighter. I mean, there's, there's rods on the market that are like 1.7 ounces. It feels next to nothing in your hand. Granted, there are rods that are substantially heavier than that, but the the ability to cut weight was i think one of the big driving factors there okay awesome um the second what is the advantage or disadvantage of tenkara over other methods of fishing whether that be fly fishing or whatnot 
Now that's, that's a really good question. One that I get asked a lot and it goes back to, there really isn't a distinct advantage. I mean, it's simple. That's the advantage. But as far as, is it better than another type of fishing? A big part of that's preference. The other part is fishing rods are kind of like tools, right? It's about having the right tool in your bag for the right situation. And so while bait casting is really good for, you know, throwing out a, a plastic worm and going for bass, things like that, Tenkara wouldn't be ideal for that situation. But if you're on a mountain stream, you're not wanting to throw a big rubber worm, you're wanting to throw out a fly and not have to worry about all the trees and overhang and things like that. So that's one situation where the, the Tenkara would definitely be the better option, the right tool for the job. Okay, now for the listeners that have zero knowledge when it comes to fishing, you said rubber worm and plastic worm. <clears throat> I'm only, only familiar <laughs> with uh, you know the biological ones. So uh, can you explain, is there different baiting styles or, or different bait uh, in general that's used for Tenkara that's different from fly fishing or anything like that? Um, so different from fly fishing, the short answer is no. You can use any Western fly when you are Tenkara fishing. The traditional Japanese fly is called a kabari fly. And what that is, is it's a thread body fly that has a reverse hackle. Hackle is a type of feather that's at the top of the fly. Uh, reverse meaning it points towards the eye of the hook instead of down towards the barb of the hook. There are also uh, normal hackle kabaris, so that would point down to the barb of the hook. But the most standard is gonna be that reverse kabari, or reverse hackle, sorry. Um, as far as like other baits and things like that you mentioned, like I said, you've got your, your plastics, which are gonna be your rubber worms and things like that, your swim baits, uh, live bait like you mentioned and really with Tenkara you're not getting into any of that stuff like you can you can definitely throw a small rubber lure on a hook and you'll find success doing it I've seen people do it on Tenkara rods but generally speaking the traditional way of Tenkara and this is Haniru Tenkara in specific is going to be with that Kabari fly or a western fly okay and you said was it honey roo? Honey roo, yes. Okay, honey roo. Is that a different method of tenkara fishing? Like, are there? Is it just tenkara is its own subcategory of fishing, or are there subcategories of tenkara? Uh, there are subcategories of tenkara. The two main ones and the two that I know about are honey roo and keru. And the difference there is honey roo tenkara. You're using those kabari flies, like we were talking about, and western flies. You're using a, a fly pattern instead of a live bait. Versus Kru, you are using a live bait or a rubber lure or something like that, generally floated under an indicator instead of just being out on your line like you would with Haniru. Okay, awesome. <clears throat> um, trick question that I thought of. <laughs> um, and he's throwing things at me. I knew this was gonna happen. So, and I believe they're called buoys, but I could be wrong. Those little like red and white things that you see in fishing. <laughs> those are bobbers. Bobbers, there you go, buoy bobber. Uh, those, are they used in Tenkara at all? Or is it like something where you're trying to get the hook deep down there? Uh, so it depends, honestly. Like I know people that are, they call themselves a more purist in the form of uh, how they do it. And that's just gonna be your rod, your line, leader and fly and that's all they're using 
there are people, myself included, that in certain situations, it's just convenient to have a strike indicator is what we call them in the fly fishing world. Okay. Uh, they're a bobber. I don't care who you are, they are a bobber. Um, we have different types of strike indicators that are used, not the same as those plastic red and white ones you're familiar with. Generally, we do have different colors. They're gonna be either an air-filled bubble or a plastic foam uh, sticker type deal that you clip around your line are gonna be the main ones you see. Okay. Uh, you do see a few that people will take like yarn and they'll make their own indicators out of. And those are kind of cool. They're a lot lighter weight than the uh, rubber air-filled bubbles. Uh, we call those thingamabobbers if you wanted a fun word for today. Is that a legitimate thing? Or is that, that is a legitimate thing. They are called thingamabobbers. All right. Um, again, bobber, right? In the, in the name, thingamabobber. But they, just depending on the situation, like sometimes you do want to reach that deeper hole and having an indicator on your line just isn't the way to do it. Sometimes the water's moving in a way that the indicator is not going to benefit you, whether it's trying to get the right drift or just trying to be in the correct positioning. So sometimes you use them, sometimes it doesn't. It, it just depends on the angler and the situation they're in. Okay, awesome. Well, next question. 10 car rods. We talked about the bamboo, we talked about the carbon fiber, right? <clears throat> and we talked about a little bit the uh, differences in weight. And that's one of the big factors that transitioned over to carbon fiber, right? Yeah. So with that, what is the limit to a weight that you could, um, uh, like a, a fish weight, right? The weight of a fish, what is the limit that you could do with a 10 car rod? Like, can you catch big fish? Is it kind of limited to, uh, you know, smaller like trout and, and other small fish that I don't know? <laughs> no, so that's a, that's a really good question. And again, the question that we get asked a lot is, are you just targeting those small trout, panfish, things like that? And the answer is not simple. Like certain rods do have their weight restrictions. Like that's obviously clear with everything, right? Every tool has its purpose. I've got a rod that is as short as five foot six. It can be fished at four different lengths. That rod, I'm not going to go after, you know, 20 plus inch brown trout or largemouth bass. That's that's not the purpose for that rod. The purpose for that rod is the small streams. There are rods that can handle those bigger fish. There's a rod currently on the market made by Wasatch Tenkara rods. It's called Rodzilla. It is a mammoth of a rod. Rodzilla. Yes, Rodzilla. Okay. It weighs in at just over eight ounces, so about half a pound and it can be fished at lengths of, I believe, 16 or 17 and a half feet. So it's a very long rod, but that rod has caught muskie, it's caught drum, it's caught steelhead. There, I know a guy personally who's taking it to Alaska next month going after king salmon on it. Like there, there are rods that can do pretty much anything. And I know of, a few more rods that are not out yet but in development that will be pushing the bounds of even that as far as trying to catch bigger fish okay um another curveball fresh or salt water uh can you can you use them uh on the kind of the bigger fish that are obviously you know in the ocean versus a lake or pond or stream 
Yeah, absolutely. So I do know of a gentleman, I believe he lives in Pennsylvania, and he's pushing the limits of Tenkara in any way he possibly can. He's reaching out to the manufacturers and saying, hey, I want to go do this. And they're telling him to do it. They want to see what their rods are made of. He's the one, he caught the muskie, he's caught drum. He did take it to the Atlantic Ocean. I believe he was down in Florida, if I remember right. I don't know what he caught. I've seen pictures of it. Uh, I've seen video of him fishing it in the ocean and catching fish. And so it, it really can be done either way. Um, one of the gentlemen that we work with in the office he lived in Japan and he tells me stories about a guy who he would watch every day go out on the end of a pier with his Tenkara rod and cast it out and just catch fish after fish. And so it, it really, again, goes to having the right tool for the job. Okay. All right. Right on. <clears throat> um, so we talked about the baiting, we talked about the weight. Um, a lot of people use fishing as kind of a means of escape, right? Relaxing, kind of getting away from the city life, the hustle and bustle. Um, and, and kind of just being in, encompassed in nature. Um, is the kind of the same feel with Tenkara fishing? Like, can you go out to a pond on like a little boat and, and kind of have that whole relaxing, that relaxing feel? Yeah, absolutely. So granted, generally you're not using a boat when you're Tenkara fishing. The, the general situation where you're Tenkara fishing is going to be a stream, a creek, a river, a generally moving water and you're gonna, you're not really gonna be on a boat. Like you can do it from a boat, don't, don't get me wrong. I've done it from a boat. I know people that have done it from a boat. But generally speaking, you're gonna be on those little, those smaller bodies of water. And for me, getting out away from people, like it, it's better for me to do it this way through Tenkara than it is through normal uh, Western fly fishing or spinning fishing. Because, and the reason for me, it's so simple. Like I mentioned earlier, it's a rod, a line, tip it and fly. There's not much to it. And I'm not worried about all this extra gear. I can go out with my rod, a little pouch that's got some flies, some tippets, some extra level line in it, and then a net and I'm, I'm ready to go. Like I don't need to pack a tackle box with me as I'm going out to the bass boat or going down to the local pond going after trout with live bait. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. It's very minimalistic. And so for me, the escape is a lot more readily available because you're able to just dive in and say, all right, I am ready to go. I, I, I carry my stuff in my car all the time. So if I'm driving down the road, I just jump out of the car. If I see somewhere that looks good and I start fishing, you're able to get further away from people quicker and not have to worry about stressing of, did I remember this? Did I remember the worms? Did I remember the rod that I really like? My rod's always in my car. I don't have to worry about if I remembered it. It breaks down to, you know, 20 inches. I'm not worried about it being in the way. Okay. And for those who are listening, when he said ready to dive in, he didn't mean in the water. <laughs> uh, that'll scare the fish out. You are correct. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Um, so speaking of gear and kind of being readily available, what kind of gear is needed in this? Obviously there, I know you kind of went over it, but for someone who's going out, maybe not skilled, maybe not experienced, and they're kind of trying to encompass all of it, maybe it's not as uh, simple as uh, like for you or for them as it is for you since you're experienced, right? And so like what would be some of the gear that uh, some people would maybe want to uh, look at purchasing to get started, um, what's necessary to get started, 
and, and maybe like price point as well. Yeah, absolutely. So there are price point we'll start with. There's a very large range in pricing as far as Tenkara rods or Tenkara style rods. I mean, when I started out, I started with two rods from Amazon. I paid like 20 bucks for the two of them together. They were very cheaply made. I went and bought a different rod right after that. Uh, not that they're bad rods. I've caught fish on those rods. I still fish them every now and then. To me, it's just not a pleasant experience. They're a stiffer rod. They're just not as enjoyable. They're great. Like I throw them, I say I fish them every now and then. I'll throw them in my backpack if I'm going hiking because I'm not worried about it breaking. Like it's, I paid 10 bucks for each rod. Like, but so you can start out at a very low price point. As far as like price range, there are Tenkara rods that are $500 if you're getting like rods that are made in Japan, imported to the States. Um, that's so really the, the price range is huge, right? $10 to 500 plus in some cases. Most of the rods that you are going to see on the US market are that are made, well, sold by companies here in the US, not imports from Japan. They're gonna be in the price range from generally around $100 to $200, $250, depending on the rod. There are a few exceptions. Uh, I know there's a company that they make rods uh, in Japan and have them imported to the US and sold by their US company. Those rods are a little bit more expensive, but generally I would say a pretty safe price point for your expectations is between $100 to $250, but you can find a lot of options if you're just looking to try it that are a lot cheaper than if you're looking for, I'm going to just try this and see if it works, you know, throw $20 at a gocher rod, whatever rod you want to look at and give it a shot. Okay, so that's the price point for the rod alone, right? Yeah. So uh, the, other, the other things included? Yeah, so as far as other gear needed, um, like I said, I personally, when I go out by myself, I go very minimalistic. I've got my little chest pouch. Uh, you can generally, depending on the chest pouch, whether you want to use a bag you've already got or pick up a pouch specifically for this, uh, you're ranging somewhere around $20 is going to be a starting point. Granted that you can go a lot more expensive than that. You don't have to. $20 will get you a chest pack that will work fine. Inside of that chest pack, I'm going to use a container to hold my flies. Those run anywhere from $5 to $50 plus dollars, depending on make, model, blah, blah, blah. Me, personally, I use the cheap ones. I don't need anything special, just something to hold, you know, 20 to 50 flies. And that's a lot of flies. If you're going through that many flies in a trip, you need to ask yourself what you're doing wrong. Okay. <laughs> but, um, like I said, you, I have that little container with my flies. Pick out an assortment of flies, depending on what you're looking at. Flies, you go to Sportsman's Warehouse, they run around a $1.30 a piece. You go to a local fly shop, they're probably gonna be similar prices, it just depends. Uh, part of it, like certain places will have them priced by what type of fly they are, some just, it's one price for every fly. Um, then in addition to that, your level line, uh, spool of level line and or uh, furled line is the other line option that you'll normally see. The difference being, because I can see that question turning in your head already, uh, your level line is generally a fluorocarbon line. Uh, some people do use a monof uh, monofilament as well, but uh, fluorocarbon is the kind of industry, industry standard. Um, and then uh, the 
furled line is going to be more of a braided line. And so the furled line, to me, the only time I'm using it is if it's really windy. It's got a little bit more weight to it, so it's easier to cast in those windy situations. The level line is a very lightweight line. It makes your presentation of the fly as you're flipping it out onto the water a lot prettier, more finesse to it. Um, Real quick about that. So with the line, just a question popped up, is uh, from, from the people tuning in, <laughs> that... Uh, the uh, the length of the line is that different than typical fly fishing? I would assume so, being there's no reel, being that you're Correct. in the water and stuff. Yeah, like that. so the length of your line, your main line is going to be roughly the length of your rod. Uh, I know a few people run it a couple feet shorter than their rod, and then your tippet on the end of that is going to be around two feet, um, and then your fly on the end of that. So generally speaking, you're running with a rod that's plus or minus two feet of your rod. Okay. Now there are some exceptions. Uh, when I got into Tenkara, I heard of this, or I heard a recommendation that you never run a line that's longer than one and a half lengths your rod. Well, I tried that, I hated it. <laughs> so for me personally, I don't go longer than my rod. Okay, awesome. Um, so kind of get into the bread and butter of your expertise here. If you could go back in time and mentor yourself on the water, what would be uh, two, three, uh, just a few things that you would want to uh, know before going in? Um, one of the big things is, and it's something so simple, it, and I learned it from a Western fly fisherman and applied it to Tenkara, and it, it struck me when he told me, and I was like, why didn't I think of this? Because it's it's something so simple and like stupid. Keep it simple, stupid, right? The KISS method. Hook sets are free. And what I mean by that is anytime you see a hesitation in your line that looks like it might be a bite, set the hook. Okay. That simple thing took me from catching one, two, maybe three fish in a trip to catching 14 fish in a couple hours, more fish. I mean, I told you about the trip. My dad and I, we sat in one spot in Idaho and we caught a hundred fish in two and a half hours. Right. Like, yeah, I remember that. It, it just goes from you're catching fish to how many fish are you missing? Because oh, I think that was a rock. And the answer is more than you know. <laughs> okay, and so for ignorant listeners like myself, setting the hook, what does that mean? That's gonna be when you're you're setting it into the lip of the fish. So you're gonna pull back on the hook and it's gonna force the hook, into, or pull back on the rod and it's gonna force the hook into the fish's mouth. Gotcha, okay. Um, and then another thing I wish that I would have realized sooner, and again, this is something that it was 100% on me, but I've ran into other people that are the same way, Tenkara rods can fish western flies. And so you don't have to just use those traditional Japanese flies. You can reach out into these other avenues of flies, you know, blowtorches, midges, nymphs, all these other types of flies. And you can use those to match uh, what insects are currently in the water or around the water to be able to more accurately fish the area that you're in. And then, the third thing, 
I told you this was gonna stump me the other day when you told me you're gonna ask me this question. That's okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna let our listeners here understand that all those things you just mentioned are not Harry Potter creatures. <laughs> uh, they are, they must be uh, related to fishing. <laughs> they are yes, uh, different types of bugs and things like that is what they're uh, resembling, but <laughs> not Harry Potter. That that's great. Um, the third thing for me is going back to something I said earlier, it can be as simple or as complicated as you make it. When I first got into Tenkara, I was trying to overcomplicate things. I was trying to make sure that every little detail was perfect. I mean, I did, I couldn't tell you how many hours of research into Tenkara before I even bought my first rod. And just realizing that Tenkara is different for everyone was huge for me because everyone's journey in life and in fishing is different. Okay. And so being able to learn what works for you is one of the biggest things that helped me become successful in Tenkara fishing. Okay. And so being able to learn what works for you is one of the biggest things that helped me become successful in Tenkara fishing. Okay. All right. So <clears throat> next question, what's the easiest way for someone who is interested in getting involved in the sport or at least trying it out to assess their interest level? Um, what is the easiest way for them to get started? Um, like I said, I started out with some cheap Amazon rods. You don't have to go and spend a ton of money to get started in this sport. The, the setup that I started with, I had a, well, two Amazon rods, about $10 a piece. They're the exact same rod. The only reason I got two was in case one broke, I had a backup. Um, I bought just a cheap little fly container and I actually just bought a little one from Walmart that came with some flies already in it. <clears throat> and then from there, I, I didn't even have a pouch at that point. I just threw the fly container in my back pocket, called it good. I had my line which depending on which line you get, you're looking, if you're going for old line, don't buy the $5 Amazon line, it's garbage. Buy the $15 Amazon line if you're going through Amazon or reach out to one of the Tenkara companies and get one from them, they're around $15 as well. Uh, for old line or level line, if you're buying a spool of level line, I buy a Japanese brand that I'm not gonna try to pronounce the name because there's no way I can do it. And, uh, for a spool of around 50 meters or 30 meters, excuse me, of 4.0 or 3.5 level line, that's going to be the diameter of the line. I can see that question spinning in your head over there too. No, I was, in, I was thinking we'll just put the uh, link to that one that you were saying in the description. Yes, I, I will put a link to that in the description. Um, but that that particular one runs around $15 for about 30 meters of it. So I picked one of those up and then uh, in addition to that, I just went to Walmart and I bought a cheap thing of tippet and I went fishing. Um, I already had a net. If you are looking for a net, go to Walmart. Don't buy the $10 mesh net. Buy the $20 rubberized net. It makes a difference. If nothing else, you will not get your hooks tangled in the mesh and it is a lifesaver. So to wrap all that up, we're looking probably about 50, 60 bucks. Yeah, I mean, really, you could get in, let's see, we're, like I said, about 
$10 for a rod, $10, $15, I think is what they're running right now. I can throw a link to those rods into the description as well. Um, and then level line, you're about 15 bucks, so you're $30 there. Tip it about five, three to five dollars, so 35. And then a net, you're another 20, so that puts you 55. And then uh, just a cheap little fly container with some flies in it, you're another five to 10 bucks. All right, awesome. And if someone was interested in booking a uh, guiding trip with you, how would one go about said thing? Yeah, so that was actually another thing uh, really quick before we get into that. Um, if you are looking into it, you don't want to do the initial investment of, hey, I'm going to go buy all of this gear. Look for a guide in your area that does an intro to Tenkara course. Generally, those courses are going to be about two and a half hours. They're going to run somewhere around 180 to 200 dollars but you don't have to buy any equipment and worry about doing it and deciding you don't like it. So it's a little bit more monetary investment up front to decide if you like it or not without buying anything, but it gives you the opportunity to go out with a guide, someone that knows what they're doing and learn from someone. That was one thing that I wish I had done when I was learning because I taught myself through articles, YouTube and trial and error. I wish I would have gone out with someone that knew what they were doing. Uh, if you don't want to look for a guide, maybe you want to buy some of the cheaper gear and get into it and try a little bit of trial and error, but you want someone that can show you the works, a guide is a great option, but reach out. There's a lot of different groups on social media that you can reach out to and get information. Find people that are willing to go out with you for free. There are those people out there. The experience is gonna be a little bit different than going out with a guide because a guide, their attention is you. If I go fishing uh, with someone else that's just going fishing though, they're, they're, their focus is fishing. Like they'll give you pointers and stuff in most cases, but they're there to fish. Right. Um, and then onto your question of how do you get in touch with me you can reach out to me through social media i'm sl tenkara on facebook and uh instagram you can reach out through me uh to me through the podcast here at let's talk tenkara i do have that on instagram as well as my email is let's talk tenkara at gmail.com or you can reach out to me via my website there's a contact us uh a contact us section excuse me and that website is Salt Lake Tenkara at square.site. Awesome. Well, uh, Brian, thanks for having me. Thanks yep. for letting me Thank you. you. Thank and, you very uh, much for coming out. Get educated a little bit. <laughs> so I appreciate that because uh, I'm very ignorant in the world of fishing. So it's good to, to uh, be able to talk to someone so knowledgeable and uh, get your insight. And uh, yeah, excited. We should do it. We should go fishing. Let's do it before you move. Um, thank you again, Justin, for coming on to the first episode of Let's Talk Tenkara. Uh, it's been a great pleasure having you here and answering some questions that I know you had, as well as some other people that we've talked to and some other people I reached out to had. Um, if you do have any more questions that we didn't cover here in the episode, don't hesitate to reach out. The email for the podcast is Let's Talk Tenkara at gmail.com. And I'm more than happy to answer those questions. You can also find us on Instagram at Let's Talk Tenkara. Thanks again, and we look forward to having you on for the next episode. 
This has been the Let's Talk Tenkara podcast, hosted by Brendan Hardin. Special guest, Justin Foss. Tune in next time, and let's talk Tenkara, a Salt Lake Tenkara production.